in preparation for uh, today's message, we shall be reading from uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 9 to 13. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 9 to 13. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them in that portion of the Scripture and join me in reading God's Word. Let's all rise in reverence to the Word of God. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of Spirit and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best for them. But He disciplines us for our good, so that we may share His holiness. All discipline for the moment seem, seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble, and make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people, and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Praise God for the reading of His word. You may now be seated. Last week, we preached on Hebrews chapter 12, 3 to 8, and the title was Love and Discipline. Now, we preach on Hebrews 12, 9 to 14, and uh, the title is Discipline and Holiness. From Love and Discipline, now it is Discipline and Holiness. The author of the epistle to the Hebrews explained that God disciplines his children whom he loves. Thus, believers should interpret God's discipline as an expression of his love. But many speak of his love, but they do not include his discipline. No one should separate his love and his discipline. The Lord's discipline reflects both chastisement and training. Chastisement so one may learn to overcome sin and training to grow in holiness or righteousness. Of course, Christ is our righteousness, but the life he lives within us, we must learn to manifest on the earth. Therefore, if a believer experiences God's chastisement or punishment, and this is not a punishment that sends somebody to eternal damnation, it is a punishment to remind us that pain and sin go together, and pain in eternal fire is worse, but the temporary discipline of the Lord is much better. We must understand that when God disciplines us, we have to reflect, and it, it is connected to a wrongdoing. The believer should welcome the correction. Moreover, if one goes through challenges and difficulties, the believer must assume that God is training them, God is training us. Knowing this truth gives us a right perspective. 
and perspective is important because perspective is the lens that you wear to see the world. If you wear glasses that are colored blue, the world is blue. If you see glasses that are colored green, then the world is green. If you see difficulties as just difficulties without any meaning to it, or if you see it as God abandoning you, then that's how you will see it. And that is the wrong mindset. The right mindset, according to scripture, is if we encounter difficulties, and in this context, the Hebrew believers in this context were experiencing persecution. And sometimes God would use persecution to discipline us, and at other times simply to train us. But even the simple difficulties of life, he uses it both, sometimes at the same time, to punish us, yet at the same time to train us. And of course, I, I remember Joseph in the Old Testament, when he was so proud of his dreams, declaring it to the whole world that, that uh, uh, my brothers and even my parents would bow to me, somehow his brothers betrayed him. And if you look at it at the lens of, of Hebrews, this text, if you look at it in that lens, perhaps God punished him to teach him humility, yet at the same time, God trained him to go through a rigorous process of humility and service and skills development so that one day he could be prepared for God's purpose, which was to save the world at that time and to be one of the most influential and memorable rulers of Egypt. Therefore, let us not see discipline or see the difficulties as simply as difficulties. Do not follow the world's ways where there is no hope in God. Do not follow the world's ways where they blame God. Some even say, I don't believe God exists because where was God when I was having difficulties? And the reasoning is even flawed, it's full of fallacy. Some would say they don't believe in God, but if you ask them, are you willing to die for that? Many of them would say, no. Deep inside, they're not willing to suffer and die for that. But many have died witnessing the resurrection of Christ, no matter what. Now, when we see difficulties, when these Hebrew believers experience it, the writer is saying, hey, the Father loves you. Discipline and love go together, but discipline and holiness also go together because God has a purpose why he is training you, why he is training you. One of our sisters here, uh, Anne, is, has been going through training in the U.S. military, and one time I read, she posted, I don't want to go through it again because no training is fun but we know the benefits of training. In the same way, when we go through the university, it's not always fun. Many times it is difficult, but we know the benefit of it. That's why we still go through it. And we even, are, are admir we, we even show admiration of people who are pursuing higher studies because we know how difficult it is. 
Yet we know its value. In the same way, in the spiritual realm, there is much eternal value in the spiritual discipline of the Lord. My first point would be earthly fathers versus God the Father. The author argued that if one respected earthly, the earthly father or your earthly father, how much more should one submit to God the Father? Therefore, God disciplines his children so that they may share in his holiness. Let's read verses 9 to 10. Uh, furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they, earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. As seemed best to them, but the earthly fathers, remember, are imperfect human beings. But he, God, disciplines us for our good. He is perfect. Remember that. So that we may share the purpose, that we may share in his holiness. That we may share in his holiness. There are times that God allows suffering as a form of chastisement, as a father would punish a child for wrongdoing. And I'd like to make a side note here, a side note, and talk about uh, parenting, earthly parenting. And um, there are different schools of thought when it comes to spanking. There are authors and academ academics who would say, uh, uh, people from the academe would say that uh, spanking is not good. You can discipline your child without spanking. Yet there are those on the other side, also scholars, who've done their research as well that says, uh, actually, no, uh, spanking is necessary. Now, I think you would guess where I would position myself. I would position myself where the wisdom of Scripture clearly declares it which is in, in, the, in the book of Proverbs, do not spare the rod. Because what? It can drive away the foolishness of a child. Now, uh, through some study, uh, I've learned from some, from some Christian psychologists that yes, pain and wrong for a child must be associated clearly, clearly. Pain and wrong, especially if it is willful defiance. You distinguish between childish irresponsibility, which is they really forgot because they enjoyed playing too much that it did not register their chores, for example, or willful defiance, willingly defying the order of the parent. Now, willful de defiance needs some spanking. I'm talking about little kids, not teenagers, all right? deserve some spanking. And uh, one thing I learned, anger is often not necessary. Often not necessary. It means you can inflict pain and explain why, so that the child associates wrong and pain, not your patience and spanking. Because if you make your patience the basis, 
The child would think, oh, it's still okay because mom's not yet angry. Because anger now becomes the, uh, the measurement, the metric of his boundary. But if the mother or father saw something wrong, willfully defying their orders, for example, disrespecting their uncle, they deserve to be disciplined in a private room and explained why. And they must be taught to say sorry if they disrespected their uncle, for example. And there must, they must inflict a little pain. Not too much. Child abuse is also wrong. Child abuse is wrong. They must inflict a little pain. And as long as they see that they humbly follow the order of apologizing to the uncle, then that discipline is perfect. But if you make your anger your barometer, the metric, then as long as you're not yet angry, it's okay. It's okay to keep defying. Now, when the Lord disciplines us, I believe He's not always angry with us. I would say sometimes He might be. But I don't think always. When, when most often, my perspective, He is more patient than us, much more patient than humans, much, much more patient. However, He means it. When he corrects, he means it. That's why people, the Jewish believers, and us, we have to be discerning and not be in denial. You know what's in denial? It may have been a discipline of God, but you're denying it. No, no, it's not. It's not. My first reaction is it could be. <laughs> why? I stay on the safe side. Why? Because if I am in denial... Then what does a parent do? What do I do, for example? Let, let's make an imperfect analogy. As a parent, I think he didn't get it because when he said sorry to the uncle, he said sorry without humility. So what I do? I do it again. I talk to him again. I said, I see no humility in your eyes. And I will put another consequences. That's what I would do. So if you are in denial... You know what will happen? It's possible. It might be cyclical. You will experience it again and again and again. And you realize you are the problem, not everybody else. It's you. It's me. If something happens, the first question is, Lord, you are loving. Is this your discipline? Please show me. Show me the lesson right now. I know you are a loving God because you are a father who loves. That's why, my friends, let us not reject the Lord's discipline. And his discipline, the purpose of it is so that we may be trained in holiness. And how will we understand holiness? Well, holiness is what? The word holy is the word set apart for a purpose. That's holy. This is not for any purpose. This is set apart for a purpose. Now, when you say holy, it is for divine purpose. God is divine and separated from us, although through Christ he became man. Yet as Christ was man on earth, he mingled with the sinners to proclaim repentance, not to compromise with them, by the way. He maintained his holiness by being different, not being the same. 
Similarity in human form, you can touch him, you can see him, you can listen to him. Yet the way he thinks and acts, the way he prays is not the same as humans. God the Father is a good father. Let us welcome his disciplines and the Jewish believer should welcome his discipline. And this is sort of a warning not to complain. Don't complain. In fact, uh, last, when we discuss love and discipline, the first part there in verse 3 is do not lose heart. Do not be discouraged because this is God's love in action. The love of God was not mentioned in the book of Hebrews. This was the first mention in the book of Hebrews, in the epistle, and it's about discipline. And let us not forget that, that God is a father and he will fulfill his role. Now, earthly fathers, we fail in these things because we fail to read situations. Now, we fail as fathers, one, if we neglect to discipline. We allowed siblings to fight each other without teaching them to reconcile, without teaching them to humble themselves between each other, before each other, and says, sometimes the more important thing is that both of you learn a lesson of what not to do to each other and how to behave towards each other. And you can talk it through. The father must push them towards that. If we neglect that, we fail, and we are failures in many aspects. Kids, we admit, we fail in many aspects, so forgive us. We fail in many aspects. And there are times we Discipline you not because we want to teach you what's right, but because we were angry. That is also wrong. But though fathers are imperfect, they cannot abandon this role. They must be able to talk to their children directly. Why? Well, I remember that when you're driving a car, and they said, the wheel must be in alignment whenever you drive a car. How do you know if it's not aligned? Try to let go. If it's not straight, it's going left or right, that's dangerous. That is not aligned. That must be corrected or else it will cause damage to others or to those within the car. And the same way humans we must discipline ourselves or receive discipline from others because we do not always see if we are not driving straight, if we're not walking straight. The hardest part is to see the self. That's why we rely on family. We rely on brothers and sisters. We try our best to be self-aware. We pray, search my heart, O God, know my heart, and show me, Lord, where am I? But if we deny what others say, we become reactive of, we're easily hurt when somebody says there's something wrong with us. And instead of listening and saying, okay, pray for me in that area, you lash out and say, what about you? What's wrong with you? Why not say thank you? May we be helpers of one another that 
you show me and I, may I in return gently also show you what I see that might be wrong. May, sometimes I'm not sure, right? Sometimes we're not sure, but might be wrong. Will you allow me to gently correct you, but please do so to me as well. And you know, I see God the Father, when he disciplines, he gives you, I, I heard this from a preacher. Uh, it might be true in many of our experiences, but again, I cannot say scripturally that, that uh, I cannot fully defend it yet. But somebody said that at times, it's a gentle reminder. Several times, it's a gentle reminder. And after a while, that you're ignoring that gentle reminder. And you seem to be not listening and still minding your own business because you think you're so busy and you're so important and what you're doing is so important that you forget to sit down and meditate and pray and read your Bible and listen to sermons and reflect and listen to others in the growth group and reflect. So what does God do? So a preacher once said, after gently reminding you, he suddenly hits you hard. Oh, Lord, I didn't notice you were there. When God does that, welcome it. When you encounter pain, deep pain, you say, Lord, is this you? Whether it's him disciplining you or training you, he's always at work. So it's either a punishment or a training or both. I prefer to think both most of the time. Sometimes it's a training of faith. It's simply the training of faith. But at times it is also both. Most of the time it's both. Now, I cannot prove that. I'm just, that's the way I think, so I don't miss it. So I don't miss it. I'd rather humble myself and say, yes, there's something wrong with me. But you know the beautiful thing is, I know there are many things wrong with me. But that's where the beauty is. The grace of God overcomes that. That his forgiveness is available to those who come to him. That we can boldly come and say, forgive me, Lord. It's not when I know there's something wrong with me, I get depressed by it. Well, of course, I get convicted and sometimes I grieve about a sin. But it's not something that, it's not a Judas type of, of depression that wanting to kill himself but it's the Peter kind who was convicted. And uh, when, they both denied Christ, by the way. But Peter was convicted, and when the Lord invited them, do you love me? And he said, Lord, I do love you. Three times the Lord asked. Peter was hurt the third time. And he said, if you love me, then feed, feed my sheep. Well, he was asking, do you love me more than these? <laughs> it was a time after he caught fish. And some are saying is, uh, actually, Jesus was asking, do you love me more than fishing? <laughs> so it sounded ridiculous, but I don't know. <laughs> it might be true. Do you love me more than your profession? Do you love me more than this? The answer is, should be, yes, Lord. Uh, next point is discipline and righteousness. The author explained that all discipline seems unpleasant and painful, but discipline produces a peaceful fruit of righteousness 
for all trained by it. Thus, a believer must welcome the discipline of God. Verse 11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So what pain have you experienced? Um, don't say it's not your fault, please. Don't be quick to say it's not your fault, please. Don't, don't do that, don't do that. No. You just ask, Lord, what do you want me to learn? Please, show me. I want to. I desire to learn. What is it, Lord? I trust you. I trust you to correct me. Because you are my father. And you see more than I do. And I trust you. And I love you. And I fear you. I respect you. And I know your loving kindness in Christ. And I know your love manifested in discipline. God's discipline can be unpleasant and it can be painful, but it serves a purpose, which is to yield a peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, one should endure the unpleasant seasons of discipline. How do we endure it? With faith. Don't forget the lessons. By faith, they endured. By trusting in the will of God that he is wise, wiser than us. That his ways are higher than our ways. That his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And the way we see it may not be the complete picture on why things happen. Why we lost a loved one. Why we failed in an endeavor. Even though we're saying we're doing it for God. We just have to trust in the will of God. Strengthen self for peace and holiness. And uh, that's a third point. The author then encouraged the readers to strengthen themselves and straighten their paths. Finally, the author instructed to pursue peace with all men and sanctification which no one will see the Lord. Can you imagine the author saying, pursue peace? And this is in the middle of persecution. Okay. I mean, there, there is discrimination, social discriminations, and at times physical harm. And then at times they're being cheated of their properties. Yet he's saying, pursue peace with all men. Very similar to Paul, although Paul's writing was... Uh, as much as you can, be at peace with all men, because not all men want peace. But you must desire peace. You must pursue it. And pursue what else? Holiness. Again, be set apart for God's purpose. Whatever you do, your profession, your dreams, your ambitions, it must be set apart for the glory of God. If your choice will not glorify God, then abandon that choice. Make a different choice. Choose a different path if God will not be glorified. And don't be stubborn because wait for it. If you are stubborn, wait for it. The discipline will come. And the more stubborn we are, sometimes, I don't know, not always, but sometimes, the more painful it is. But if you experience pain and you know it's from God, 
be thankful. You know why? The ultimate judgment of God when he gives up somebody to unrighteousness, he no longer convicts the person. No longer. You read that in Romans 1? When God judged them, they gave, he gave them over to their lusts. He gave them over to unrighteousness. A series of unrighteous acts and there is no conscience. That is the ultimate judgment of God. But if you still feel convicted, praise God, come back to the Lord and come back today. Let's read verses 12 to 14. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. This is talking figuratively. Verse 14, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification or holiness which no one will see the Lord. Without sanctification, you cannot see the Lord. If you remember in our discussions in Romans that uh, the word justification came before sanctification. Paul's discussion on justification came first, but then that justification should result in sanctification, which is what? Christ-likeness. We learn to obey. And to do that to ourselves is really impossible without faith. To do that to ourselves, meaning you're just disciplining yourself to change yourself, that takes a lot of work. How can you overcome the sins that are within you, that are deeply rooted? One way is, remember the context. If we humble ourselves before the Lord, know who Christ is and what? Faith. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The eyes must be fixed because if our eyes are not fixed on him, we become weaker spiritually. In modern days, one analogy we can have is when your, your eyes are fixed on him, somehow your spiritual batteries are recharged. It's a bad analogy, but it's something that can, can remind you. But if you don't charge your phone, you lose power and it becomes useless. The same way if we keep our eyes on Jesus no matter what happens, this is still part of the context. If we fix our eyes on Jesus, what happens is if we see his example, we are energized. We do not lose heart. We do not lose faith. But we think of a fantastic example in Christ that, yes, he suffered through it. Now he is seated at the right hand. And he plans a similar thing for, for us to go through this world Yet one day to sit with him in the city which Abraham never saw on earth. That we may be with him forever. So strengthen the hands if you feel weak or discouraged. Do not be. Remember, do not lose heart. I say to you in the Christian life, never, never be discouraged. Is that possible? Well, that's what scripture says, do not lose heart. Please do not make a big deal of your discouragement and do not be easily discouraged. Learn it. How do you learn it? In Christ, fixing our eyes on Jesus and remembering his example. Even in the Old Testament, I remember David when 
when he had a small band of men and uh, their camp was invaded and their, their, their wives and children were taken away and their property were taken away. When David came back with his men, his men wanted to kill him for perhaps not strategically securing their homes. As a leader, you're expected to do such things. And his very own men wanted to kill him, but uh, the Old Testament said that, but David encouraged himself. I heard that. David encouragement, encouraged himself and said, let's pursue them and not one of our loved ones will be lost. And the men found courage in his words and they pursued and they won back all their wives and their children and their property. Not one was lost. That's the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we do not just encourage ourselves. No, no. We do not lose heart. We are not discouraged because we look at Christ, the example of our faith. Therefore, we do not lose courage. So brothers and sisters, is that possible? Yes. Please do not be affected by common Christian culture that has so much been like the world, has so much followed the psychology of the world. Oh, you're discouraged? Oh, let me encourage you. And I do. We have to encourage one another. But even if we don't receive it, take note. We must encourage one another. But even if we don't, we must learn to look on Christ and not be discouraged. That is faith. And that's why we want you in small groups. Why? Then you can say, hey, let's, in, let's spend time together. I need... I need encouragement from the brothers. That doesn't mean you're, you're discouraged. You're just making sure you don't lose courage. You're, you're always up. Let's gather together so that my faith can be strengthened. And that's the beauty of small groups and growth groups. Even if at the start we don't know each other, we learn to know each other. And we learn to inspire one another in faith and not lose courage. But the foundation of your courage must not be your growth group, although God uses that. That is part of the strategy of God. That is part of the plan and design of God. Yet, we must learn in Christ to find that courage and to pursue holiness. Like in all training, one must learn to strengthen the self in order to finish the training. <laughs> The result of good training is a better mindset and a better body. In all military training, it, it improves your mindset and it improves your body. Spiritual training yields righteousness and holiness. If physical training can improve your mindset and your body, spiritual training manifests holiness and righteousness. Does it change mindset? Of course it does. It allows you to think biblically, more biblical than secular. More biblical than secular. What is secular? The world's ways, the ways of the world. Now, not all secular is evil, but we have to be careful. Like my profession is in consulting and it deals with business and organization and money, a lot of money. And... Uh, Within that realm, the discipline of the heart is something I had to learn. What's a discipline of the heart? No greed. It's just a puzzle that I had to solve for my clients. It's a puzzle. And 
uh, I find I'm very glad that some some brothers and sisters here are more teachable than others, of course, but some who truly absorb it. And then I said, okay, let's do this. Let's solve this together. And there are a few things we're able to solve. But then I always warn my partners, no greed. It's a puzzle. And if God blesses us, it's for a higher purpose, not for the sake of hedonism or selfish pleasure. It is for a higher purpose, always. Let's go to application number one. Submit to God the Father. God disciplines through the Spirit and the Word. Yes, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Therefore, let us submit to the Father by submitting to His Word. God is more worthy than our imperfect earthly fathers. Stop complaining about the earthly fathers. All of them are imperfect. Just decide that one day you will be a good father if you're still young. Or if God gives you that opportunity. But rather, look at God the Father. He's perfect. Whenever we go through unpleasant seasons, we should interpret it in the light of God's word. How do you interpret a situation? You look at God's word. That is why knowing scripture may lead us to thinking and acting wisely. Take note. Knowing scripture and connecting scripture with our situation may help us think and act wisely. Instead of complaining, we should ask, what may I learn from the situation, Lord? Instead of saying, why, Lord? Well, you can ask, Lord, why did this happen? Please show me. But if you want, not want to show me yet, then what should I learn now? What should I learn now? Number two, make discipline a way of life. Expect God's discipline to be part of our lives. That is, if we are His children. For God disciplines those whom He loves. As seen in the text, God's discipline involves both chastisement and training. Training in righteousness. God uses even temptations and trials to test our faith. And we know that even in James chapter 1. Versus the testing of our faith produces endurance. And faith and endurance have been the subject matter of chapter 11. Now, shall we succumb to the pressure? Pressure of these difficulties, or shall we recognize it as part of God's agenda? What is God's agenda? It is to produce holiness. All difficulty is temporary because our earthly life is temporary. But then we know that God has an agenda. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a design for each of our lives. And we have to welcome it instead of complaining about it. The prayer is, Lord, I want to fulfill your purpose according to the scriptures. And according to your specific design for my life, my desire is to fulfill it. Because you are my father, the perfect father, the heavenly father, and Lord, I may be imperfect, yet by your grace, we will, I will fulfill that by your grace. Because remember that God always uses imperfect human beings to fulfill his purpose. He could have commanded the angels to preach the gospel. Instead, that was not given to the angels. It was given to the humans. 
It was given to us to proclaim the gospel. He used David who committed adultery. He used Abraham who, who lied about his wife. She is my sister. He used Jacob who deceived his father and his brother. He used Moses, who was supposed to be the meekest man on earth, lost his temper at the most critical point. We are in good company, brothers and sisters. We do not need to be perfect to be used by God to fulfill his purpose. You have your flaws, I have mine. Let us both correct them as much as we can. Striving uphill, uphill. You know, the Christian life is like walking uphill. It's harder than walking downhill if you're pushing something. Imagine yourself pushing something uphill. It's kind of more difficult. But the result is good. Why? You will become stronger. Because without resistance, no strength is developed. Take note. Without resistance, no strength is developed. In fact, it leads to deterioration. So when you are encountering the most difficult trials of your life, have the right perspective and mindset. What do you want me to learn? Lord, you want me to be stronger. I pray that I may behave properly in this situation. That I may reflect faith. You cannot just change yourself. You have to come to the place of prayer as often as you can. You have to come to the Word of God as often as you can. You have to fix your eyes on Jesus alone. What will happen through these difficulties is it will produce holiness. There was a joke when one of the pastors I know and I would consider a friend of mine for a long time, he said, you know, I was asked, what is sanctification? And you know, he responded with marriage. marriage because <laughs> there you are tested to be patient you're tested to be kind you're tested hopefully to let go an offense unknowingly or knowingly intentionally or unintentionally you know the second raising children <laughs> raising children especially when they're not following you when you're just helping them uh, the difficulty of that, but somehow God produces something in you to make you in a little bit understand Him. No, there is not a big parallel. There is a minimum parallel. Do not say God is like us. He is unlike us, but we are created in His image. We are like Him in some ways. And so He makes us understand. And He also gives us the joy. The joy with the fruit of your labor when... when you worked out the marriage and then suddenly you're learning to respect one another and to love one another. And then you're, you're learning to build that relationship with your children and they're learning to follow and you're learning to encourage them instead of exasperate them. You're learning how to approach them because you talked it over. How do you want me to correct you? How do you want me to do this? And then and there's an exchange of ideas. 
then you learn, then we learn. And if you can produce fantastic harmony in the home, then you can bring it over to the church and we can live a better and harmonious community. Third application, strengthen the self and pursue God's will. By faith, let us strengthen ourselves and set ourselves on fulfilling God's plan to sanctify us. We are not our own. As Christ was not his own, he did the Father's will. As we must do the will of God, the Father. Therefore, we pray, thy will be done. Then we pray the same prayer as Christ, yet not as I will, but as you will. Moreover, let us set ourselves to fulfill the mandate to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. We are set apart for that purpose. Part of holiness is fulfilling God's mandate. And here we will learn it together. And here we, were, we will share opportunities to one another to proclaim and to make disciples. Instead of feeling and acting weak, instead of feeling like you're the victim, believe that you are a soldier being trained for a higher purpose. There's a big difference in mindset. When difficulties come, you can think, I'm the victim. Or you can say, no, I'm not the victim. I'm a servant of God. I am a soldier of Christ. I'm a child of God being equipped and trained for his purpose. Let us set our eyes on Christ, endure every hardship, and set aside the sin that easily entangles and grow in holiness. Let us fulfill his plan to preach the gospel. I'd like to share to you a story of a friend of mine. And uh, I will not mention his name. Let's just say his initials are A and T. Number one. He was a young man who came to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I saw the sincerity. With tears, he surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus, and he grew in our discipleship groups. But as he grew older, and his testosterone as well rose to a higher level, he easily gave in to temptation. He fell into the sin of immorality. And by the way, may I say, of different ages of women. Each time he sinned, he would come to us, his shepherds, and confess, and we will help him through a restoration process, which, of course, is not always pleasant. Meaning he knows he's being restored, and we're trying to restore his self-discipline. And then after a while, he would grow, grow stronger, and then he would fall again and again. And the last time I thought maybe I should also help change his environment. So I said, why don't you work for one of the startups that I'm, I'm trying? It's a Chinese food. Because he was good in cooking, cooking um, <clears throat> Ilocano food. I said, why don't you learn Chinese? And he put himself to discipline. I brought, we brought him to Chinatown and he learned from these Chinese cooks. I mean, uh, Chinese Chinese smuggled in, and they, he learned, and he cooked the best shomai I ever tasted. He cooked the best jeshuan I ever tasted. He cooked so many of these Chinese food that I would say great. And the business was earning at that time uh, 
per day at a very good income per day. So he got busy with his craft. He had to fail one more time. (laughs) He would fail one more time. But we tried not to give up on him as long as there is conviction. I said, you keep coming back here. And we will keep praying for you. The worst is you go out on your own into the world and ignore the community. That you are the only authority to yourselves. You have no spiritual protection. There is nobody praying for you. We don't know what's happening with you. You cannot receive encouragement and you cannot receive. You don't want to be corrected, but you cannot receive encouragement as well. So he kept coming back. I didn't... I can't remember if those were my exact words, but those were the impression that we were trying to make. The good thing he was willing to be mentored, so he kept coming back and to pursue spiritual disciplines. Now, he is a servant of God, a good father. He planted four healthy churches. And until recently, in the pandemic, because he came from a poor family, he likes helping poor families, but he really wanted them to be discipled. So he discipled them, four communities. He keeps proclaiming the gospel and he has five godly children who are inspired by his example. And he has a lovely wife who encourages him to be faithful to the Lord. And he herself is very faithful to the Lord. And until today, they are our prayer warriors. Whenever we meet, they still hope for the best for us, and I hope for the best for them. And we discuss theological things, which is something I enjoy, having tea and coffee in his home. But I would remember what he went through. He kept failing, and he kept saying, I want the discipline. He didn't say it, but that was his actions. Those were his actions, these actions showing, I want to grow into a man of God. I don't want to be a man of the world. I want to be a man of God. And he is now a man of God because he trusted in the Father's discipline. And I share to you right now a poem called The Father's Discipline. The Father's love expressed to us in the glorious name of Jesus. Through faith alone, receive his grace, makes us endure to run the race. The Father loves us, his children, wholeheartedly we say amen. All his children he disciplines, this thing he has done ever since. To discipline is to chastise, we know it is not always nice. The Father does it out of love, overflowing grace from above. And to discipline is to train. It is a blessing like the rain. That we may manifest his life on earth as long as we're alive. Some training may be difficult, but blessings shall be the result. To be transformed in his likeness, that we reflect his holiness. Thus do not despise the discipline. It's necessary to fight sin. Thus receive discipline in Christ and live the joy of sacrifice. The Father is the rewarder, as the Son is the perfecter. The Holy Spirit is the comforter to the chosen ones forever. Let's all rise. Lord, we thank you 
We thank you for the Father's discipline. We are humbled by it. And it encourages us to have more faith, knowing, knowing you love and you have a purpose. And you're training us as earthly fathers train their children to be better individuals. But they, but human fathers are imperfect. And the commands we give are not always right. Our reactions are not always right. But you, O Father, are always correct. And your word is true. We thank you for your word. May we, may we truly treasure your word. For through your word you remind us. Through your word you discipline us. Through your word you speak to us. And teach us to be sensitive when you speak. May we grow in holiness and righteousness. May we pursue peace with all men. And no matter what, Lord, may we never, never lose our focus that we may fix that we may focus our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, the author, the perfecter, the finisher, the one who will complete us. That we may run the race with endurance. May we grow in holiness and putting aside the things that easily entangle us. Remind us that we cannot change ourselves, but it is through coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, fixing our eyes on Him, that change will happen. For change is the work of the Spirit. But we must find faith. We must reflect. As we pursue and work out this salvation, we know that it is You who is truly at work within us. As we pursue holiness and righteousness, sanctification and peace with all men, we know that it is the Spirit who is at work and the Word who is at work. Amid this pandemic, as we go through the difficulties, teach us not to be in denial when at times you are the one reminding us, hey, see, you did not prepare well. Learn from this now. Teach us to be sensitive to those and to those of us who listened before and we saw the fruit of righteousness, teach us to be humble. That it is through your discipline that we were able to prepare properly. But most of all, it is not the physical or the material, but more of the spiritual. Because one day we will face you. And we hope to hear, well done, good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your Lord. We want to hear those words from you. So, by your grace, Lord, through faith, may we live the Christ life on earth. We do not give up amid these imperfections because we know it is your work. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning. God bless you.